0: Years ago, when my children, we have five sons and one favorite daughter, (laughs) one favorite son in law and five daughter in laws, although to me they're not in laws. When my kids were growing up, I told them, don't worry about the world, ignore them in one sense. Live your life for Jesus Christ, raise your children. to live for Jesus Christ. In two generations, we outnumber them and we outvote them. (laughs) I think they've taken me seriously. I thank you for the privilege of being with you this day. I publicly wanna thank uh, Pastor Kendi. He and I met several years ago and found out that we had some similar uh, ministry experiences and it made us connect but he and I are not two peas in a pod. Uh, Your pastor is a scholar. He is phenomenal when it comes to exegeting the word of God and to digging into the word. I graduated from Grand Rapids School of Bible and Music, pastoral major, and learned just enough Greek to make me dangerous. (laughs) I'm a country boy. My father, my grandfathers were all factory workers. I'm a working man. But God saw fit to put me into the ministry. I've pastored three churches in the state of Michigan. Uh, The last one I was there for 25 years. As the music man says, my foot got stuck in the door. There were some times I tried to leave and the Lord said no. And I look back at that, and I say, thank you. Didn't necessarily see it at the moment. You understand where I'm coming from, okay? It was difficult, it was hard. But I have learned this in life, that the God who sits in heaven, who sits on the throne of everything, loves me with a love so vast I cannot comprehend it. This morning, I would like us to look at Psalm 103. I thank you for singing that. That was really neat. If you ask me, why did I choose Psalm 103? When, when I knew I was going to retire from my church, I picked the Psalms to start preaching through the Psalms because I knew I wouldn't get done. And I wouldn't have to pick another book to preach through. That's, that's the, one of the hardest things as a pastor, is what do I do next? And I was hoping to get through Psalm 100 before I retired. I missed it. I was like Psalm 97 or something like that. So whenever I'm asked to preach now, I go, I know exactly where I'm going. It's to the next psalm. Simplifies things. I don't have to fret and stew. I just I grab the next psalm. and I say, Lord, what do you want your people in this congregation to hear from this book, these words, this Sunday? And so that's where we are, we're in Psalm 103, it is a really, really wonderful, it's, it's one of, if we were picturing it in human terms, one of David's best. It, it's written as he gets older in life, he, he has some maturity, he has developed himself, and he rises to heights in this Psalm that Lord willing, um, we will be able to, to ascend with him. I, I forgot one thing, uh, Brother Dave, does, does Pastor Kindy preach for one hour or two? Three. You laugh, but the Puritans, if you could not, if your preacher couldn't go three hours, he was considered a weak horse. I, I'm not going to do that to you this morning. Let's pray, though, before we enter this precious book. Father, we are about to walk on holy ground. Spiritually, we take off our shoes. We humble ourselves before you. This is not our book about you. This is your word to us. It's what you've given to guide us. It's what you gave to Jesus. We ask you that by the power of your spirit, you would take your word and you would apply it to our hearts and our lives this day. We open ourselves to you and to you alone. We ask you to guide us, that we would bring honor and glory to you. I ask it through Jesus Christ. Amen. The song starts out, bless the Lord. Now, it caused me to stop. I understand bless. Uh, James tells us, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, these things ought not so to be. And over the last several years, I have made it a practice. People will often say to me, have a good day. You hear that? Have a good day. that, that kind of statement. And then I would have fun with them because I have a little perverted mentality. And I would say, oh, bummers. And they would look at me, why? I says, no, I have to because you told me to. <laughs> because have a good day is a statement. It's authoritative. It's uh, imperative. And I began to think about it. And I, so now I don't say have a good day. When I greet someone or I'm leaving someone, I'll say, may your day be blessed. I'm taking it upon me to bless them. It was really interesting, I was leaving Myers one day and the greeter at the door said, have a good day, and I looked at her and I said, may your day be blessed as well, and she looked at me and said, I receive your blessing. I went, ha, I think that's a sister. (laughs) Right, I'm now tweaking that even more. and I'm I'm just starting this, it's gonna take me a couple of years to to get it to be my practice, but I wanna say, may your day be blessed by Jesus Christ. I'm gonna bring his name in and give him the glory. And so if you think of me, you might just remember that as, Lord, help him to include your name. Because when I say that to somebody, I'm pronouncing on them a blessing, How do I do that to God? I struggled with that. How do I bless God? The word bless is given different words um, that we can use to associate it. Jesus starts out the Sermon on the Mount, blessed, same idea. And some people use the word happy. How can I make God happy? Uh, the only verse I can think of in the Bible that deals with that is that he pleased him to bruise him, referring to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I, I'm sorry, but I'm human and I didn't wanna go there. But as I looked at the word and I looked at some dictionaries and things, I found this word that helped me to put it to, into a concrete form because I deal with stuff that I can use, okay? I'm always looking for tools for my toolbox. And when it says, bless the Lord, I would encourage you to look at it this way. Adore the Lord. That's the idea. Adore carries with it all kinds of neat connotations in my mind. That's, that's wow. It deals with my heart. It deals with my core, and what the psalmist tells me right up front is, I need to adore the Lord, and he begins with his own little pep talk. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and then that little addition, bless his holy name. David understood that there are times in life when we need to speak to ourselves and we need to speak words of truth. And so he says to himself, adore him. Adore him. I don't know what you do on Sunday morning on your way to the service here, but it doesn't hurt if you give yourself a little pep talk on the way and you just say, I'm going to meet with Jesus. I'm going to meet with my brothers and sisters. I'm going to praise the Lord, to draw close to Him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. It's not just mental, it includes my heart, it includes my spirit, my soul, every piece of me. Um, This ties right in with, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? Heart, soul, my everything. Same idea. Love him, adore him, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And to help me do that, I am to forget not his benefits. I'm to think about them, to dwell upon them. Now, I'm using the outline that Spurgeon uses for this psalm. And that the first five verses are a unit. And then verses uh, 6 through 18 or 19 are are a unit. And then the last few verses are are our unit. We're going to spend the most of our time in this first section. Because this is what we need to do if we're going to really adore the Lord, is to think about what he has done for us. The very first thing he says is, "...who forgiveth all thine iniquities." I'm assuming this morning that I'm talking to a congregation where most of you know the Lord. And when we can stop and say, he's forgiven all my iniquities. Iniquities is a specific word and it involves not just the general word for sin, but it's it's when I know what God says, but I choose to do otherwise. Now, you may not be guilty of that, but I have done it multiple times in my life. I know that God said, don't go there. Um, Illustration. That finger is still recovering. I hit it with a chainsaw in January. And why do I bring that up? Because just before I hit it with a chainsaw, I was going to cut a piece of wood, and I was holding it in a particular way, and a still, small voice said in my heart, don't do it. You ever hear that, that little voice? And I did it anyway. <laughs> that, my friends, is iniquity. I knew God didn't want me to do that. I'd heard that voice in the past. I told my daughter-in-law, I need to learn to answer it and obey it quicker before I lose some part totally. that's my iniquities and they're all gone all past present future that doesn't give me a license to sin if if, if you look at that and say oh then I go to," then you haven't met Jesus yet but when we dwell on that He has forgiven us for everything. Some people struggle to forgive themselves. I did this, and I can never forgive myself. When you do that, I want you to understand that you have just made your standard of righteousness higher than God's. You've kicked God off the throne and said, I know better than you do. Because if God says, I forgive you, All of it. It's gone. As he's going to tell us later in here, as far as the east is from the west. That's how far away. Like you, Brother Dave, when I was five, I knew that I was a sinner. And I met the pastor at a Sunday evening as he was walking down the side aisle, and I remember it clearly, I met him over there, and, and I stopped him, and he says, He said, Buster, because that's what they called me. He says, what do you want? I said, I want to get saved. He looked at me and he says, you're too young. He's the pastor, he's the spiritual authority. So I got in the car and I went home. I praised the Lord that my mother was trained with child evangelism fellowship. We had five, not five days, we had good news clubs in our house. And my mother knew something was wrong. Uh, Maybe I wasn't picking on my younger siblings as much or something, but she she asked me, what's wrong? And I told her what the pastor said. And like you, my mother took me in the room and we kneeled at the bed and I asked Jesus into my heart. I praise God for that. I didn't have assurance of my salvation till I was in my first pastorate, but that's another whole story. But I believe at five years of old, the Spirit of God came into my heart because he protected me through many things that would take place after that. And he dealt with me as his child. He forgave all mine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. He me? oh, just a minute, Pastor. I've got this sickness. I've got this illness. Yeah. So how can this be true? I would remind us that ultimately when we step out of this world and we get rid of this earth suit, no more sickness, period. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to the day when this body will respond uh, the way I would like it to. I picture Jesus in his resurrection body traveling with the speed of thought. And how do we handle disease then? There are those, there are those uh, groups today that will say that if you're sick, you've got to have sin in your life. Uh, they're like Job's friends, okay? Or you don't have enough faith, um, I loved Johnny Erickson Tata one time. She had some guy told her that. You know, if you had faith, you'd get out of that wheelchair. And she said, well, I remember four guys that carried a, somebody to Jesus, and Jesus looked at their faith and healed him. He said, so if you had enough faith, I'd get out of this wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. That girl had it, right? She, she, had, it. she had the connections made. Our father... Says of Jesus, he was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. So if we're going to follow in his footsteps, we're going to have those kind of experiences. And one of them deals with just physical health. In 1998, the Lord sent me an affliction that I still have. And only at that time, it put me in the hospital on life support. I've been in a wheelchair. I was physically at a point where my wife, Pat, took care of me. She brushed my teeth. She shaved me. Guys, that's a scary time when your wife has the razor to your throat. <laughs> I, I joke about that. But she, she totally, I mean, my, my sons picked me up and carried me upstairs to go to bed at night. I could do nothing physically. I still have it, and I thank God for it now. He healed it not by taking it away, because in that point in time, I was constantly telling him, now this is what you're gonna do and take it away. Paul had something like that. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. He says, I prayed three times, and, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. You know what I've learned from my sickness? I've learned more tolerance. I've learned to monitor myself. I've learned that I can't do everything. I've learned about Jesus Christ. And the bottom line for us as believers is this, what would you swap to know more about Jesus? Because that sickness started with a prayer. I had one of my charismatic friends tell me, you should have never prayed that. All I did was say, God, if you can get more glory out of me being sick than me being well, I'm game. Game on. Whatever you want. He took me at my word. I praise him for it. See, he does heal us. Because in our sicknesses, sometimes we learn about Jesus Christ. And it's worthwhile. It changes the perspective. It's not a deterrent anymore, it's a blessing from him. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Congregation this size. How many of you have been in a situation where you could have died? If you haven't been there yet, you will be, It's life, I've had several times when it's been this close. And I look back and I say, he redeemed my life from destruction. Every day that I go to bed and my family is all still well, I say, thank you, God, for today. He redeemed them. He protected them. He provided for them. And he's not only redeemed my life from destruction here and now, but ultimately. No fear of death. Why? because when I separate from this body, I get to see Jesus, and I'm going to glory, and I have no fear of damnation. Jesus took the wrath of God at the cross, totally. It will never come on me because I'm in Jesus. so he's redeemed my life from destruction, and he crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. That, that word mercies, uh, the, the version that was read this morning, it, it linked it to, to love because it's a, it's a word that links to his covenant relationship with his people. So in the King James, it translates it mercy. Uh, other ones, they'll, they'll put it love, a steadfast love. It's the same idea. His loving kindness I've lived long enough and been in situations enough to experience God's provision and his grace. Uh, years ago, one of my, first, my first two churches were uh, under the Independent Bible Mission here in Michigan, so I was a missionary pastor. And there was one time that they were having a get-together and uh, they asked us pastors to be there. And, and at that time, um, I looked at Pat and I said, we really, we really should go to this. Um, the difficulty was, I had the gas to get there but not the gas to get home and no money to buy more. And we went, I just, it was, we had to go. It was amazing, we, we sat around and, and we were at the table with some people and when the evening got all done, they walked over to me and I had not said my need to anybody but to, but to God. And these people came over, slipped me 20 bucks back when 20 bucks was worth something, and said, We felt prompted to give this to you. My friends, that's God showing his loving kindness, showing his tender mercies. Situations arise, things go on. I spent some years working with herb lumber. I was an assistant manager, and there would be times when my desk would get so full and my, my days were so packed, and I was so frustrated, and I would cry out to God and say, Lord, I need a break. Help. I'd say, can you pray to God for, for your work? Sure. And it was amazing when I would do that, how he would just pack everything off for about three days. I could get the desk cleared. I get things so- done. What was it? His loving kindness and his mercies. He gave it to me. He provided that we could pick up and go on again. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. I'm looking to see if any of you look malnourished. Did you eat today? Today? Yeah. Or we will later. We live in a land where we have been blessed with much to eat. Um, And he satisfies us. I had fun with my grandson the other day because we opened a bag of potato chips. And he told me, he says, Grandpa, you should eat healthy food. (laughs) And I said, I am. I took the healthy ones off the top. If you haven't guessed, I have fun with my grandkids, all right? He gives us that which we need to eat. Now, this applies not only to physical things, and, and you can dwell on that yourself, but, but also he provides us spiritually. And he satisfies us. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus said this, except you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. He satisfieth my mouth with good things. And we bless him for it. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. The eagle's pictured because it soars, and I'm I'm told it soars the most and the highest in the midst of storms. And it's pictured that way. It's strong. It doesn't mean that the eagle rejuvenates itself. And it doesn't mean that we have a fountain of youth whereby we are always like we were young. Um, I have reached that point in life where I stand up and make sure all the parts are still connected before I move. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, all right? And with the affliction I have, pieces don't always work the way they once did. So how is this? I am reminded of what we're told in the New Testament. Although this outward man, this, this physical man, perishes, it's dying, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Do you know what happens the closer I get to getting my promotion papers. And that's the only way you get out of adult Sunday school class, all right? When you're young, you get a promotion paper, you go to the next class. When you get to the adult class, you get a promotion paper and you go to the, the eternal one over there. And when I get closer to getting that promotion paper, it changes perspective. Changes perspective. Uh, my sister had a t-shirt that, that bottom line said this uh, about old people. He says, life imprisonment is not much of a deterrent. Right? I'm not going to be here that long. I'm going to stand before Jesus. I just want to hear him say, you did a good job. And so in one sense, my youth is being renewed. Jesus said, except you become as little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Thing about little kids, they trust. I have to be careful with that, with the real little ones who don't understand figurative language yet, who are still in, you know, it's all concrete words, because grandpa likes to use things figuratively. When I think about that, my youth is renewed. Part of the growing older process is also growing younger if we're in Christ and learning to trust Him more. Those of us with gray hair who have walked with Jesus for any period of time have a track record. We can look back and we can say all these things that God has done for us, we can look at our history. And because of that, we can look forward. I was talking to a guy about uh, our our political situation in our nation. And I am thankful that Roe versus Wade got overturned. Amen? Amen? I'm thankful. I have not read the opinion yet, but I've heard excerpts from it. And what bothers me is this. The opinion was overturned based upon tradition. The opinion should have been overturned because God said, don't murder. Understand the difference, please. I was discussing our political situation. The guy said, I can't see how it'll ever change. And I just said, with God, all things are possible. There was once a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar who said, isn't this great Babylon which I have built? And God said, yeah, eat grass for seven years. (laughs) And when he finally comes to his senses, he says, there's a God in heaven. (laughs) I'm struggling with how do I as a Christian deal with an ungodly government? Governmental leaders who do, they may say they believe in God, but they don't believe in him at all. Not by their actions. what do I do with it? I I don't have the answers for that, but I'm working on this because he says, be not overcome of evil. Overcome evil what? With good. So I asked the Lord, Lord, what's the good that I'm supposed to do to overcome the evil? And the only answer I've gotten so far is my law is good. My law is good. So if I can take the law of God and I can incorporate it into all the aspects of my life, which I've tried to do with Pat and with my family, with my churches, and if I can incorporate that politically, so we come back to a day when it's argued, not tradition, not history of our nation, no, what does this say? This is the authority, this is the standard, this is God's word. I said, it'll change that. And God can make it happen. I've used almost all my time on the first five verses. But those are things that help me to adore God. When I think about them, when I remember them, when I dwell upon them, it causes my heart then to rise up in praise and say, God, you are so good. You have taken care of me, you've provided for me, you've blessed me with a family, you've fed us, you've clothed us, you've protected us, you've saved us by your grace. But I want to touch briefly on this next section because so many of our modern songs dwell all about me and I have a problem with that. David sets a pattern, This this is the way God writes songs. And you go from verse 6 all the way through, uh, you get down to verse 19, and all it does is talk about God other than a couple of brief little statements about humans and and our brevity. Look at what he says. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. I I put in the margin on mine those who are paying too much for gasoline. Uh, What's going on right now is oppressing those who are on unfixed, fixed incomes. It is, it is destroying even more those who have so little. They're oppressed. The Lord will execute righteousness and judgment for them. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. He is a God who is self-revealing. He didn't leave us in the dark and say, figure it out yourself. No, he showed it. Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. You're going to see this mercy theme over and over again. Slow to anger. I, I, I'm so glad he's merciful and gracious. I grew up with enough anger. Okay, I know what anger is. used to think that God was just hiding behind a corner waiting for me to mess up so he could smack me. God's not a father like that. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. Um, Chide, he never rebukes us in anger, it's always with love, and whenever he does it, he lets us know what it's for, so we can correct it. He hath not dealt with us after our sins or like the sinners, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He doesn't deal with us like those Who are lost and who are in rebellion against him. No, he deals with us graciously. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. There's your qualifier. We fear him, we reverence him, we adore him. And you try to measure his mercy, you don't have a ruler big enough. As far as you can go out there. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Amen? Ah. I love that verse. Now I know where it is, okay? Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Uh, We do things for our children, our grandchildren. The Lord does more for us. He knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over, it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. That's his comment about us. You're only here for a few years. And the older you get, the more you realize how few years you're here. We're just dust. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. And I pray, oh God, let it be. Let your righteousness not be just to me. I look for the day when I stand in heaven. And if Jesus Christ tarries, every one of my descendants from now till his kingdom is established is right behind me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved and thy house. They have to do it individually. They have to come personally. But I hold God to that children's children, to such as keep his covenant to those that remember his commandments to do them again. That's what we want. We want to walk with him. We want to obey him. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all despite those who would say we would build our own kingdom. He says you're only there because I allow you to be there. I rejoice in that. And then David does something that we don't often think about in our Bible churches and Baptist churches. He's going to close now with four blesses. Started with two, then close with four. But he goes beyond the seen realm to the unseen. Bless the Lord. He is angels. Or, uh, it was, uh, there was a different word, a version where I, I, I liked that, the, the higher power type thing that excel in strength, your, your, your mighty ones, that do his, thy com, his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, and all places of his dominion. David calls out to that unseen realm, and he's not just calling humans, but he's calling the, the, the angelic hosts to bless God want to read a description of it, this afternoon read Revelation chapter 4. The throne of God, the hosts all around in the church represented, in the 24 elders, and all of them bowing before the throne and praising God. That's what Psalm 103 is asking for. Bless the Lord. And then he comes around to where he started. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. After traveling through his history and his past and looking at God and his magnificence and calling upon the angelic host, he comes down to this. Soul, adore God. Adore God. It's imperative that we have the right opinion of God and the right mindset about God. In the New Testament, Jesus told a story a couple different times, a couple different ways, about a a man who had talents, and he gave them to his servants. And one of them, he gave them all the same amount. The other words, he gave this different amounts. But there was always one person. Remember that story? One person who took the talent that they were given, and they took it out back and buried it under the oak tree. And then when master comes, and he's going to get an accounting, all these guys that have used it in trade, they, they go, look at what we've done. And he says, good, 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 great. And the other guy comes and he says, "Uh, I know who you are. You're a hard master. You reap where you didn't sow. In other words, he called him a thief. And Jesus said, why didn't you at least put it in the bank? (laughs) Why did that man bury it? He had the wrong view of God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Father, would you take anything that was of me and blow it away like the shaft in the wind? But would you take your word and let it bear fruit in our lives. Some 30, some 60, some 100, but Father, let it bear fruit. And if there's one here today that's been reluctant to to draw close to you, to to, to come and, and, and look seriously at Jesus and what he did at Calvary, because they're afraid of you and and a a fear that because you're angry and, 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 and they don't know what to do, Father, let them see that you're merciful. You're merciful to those that will simply come to you your way. Father, bless your children here through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Amen.
1: Thank you, Pastor Gene, for sharing Psalm 103 with us this morning. Let's stand together, sing a song of response. Bless the Lord, O my soul. be seated. We're going to have a time of prayer at this time. So Jim, if you'd come. Good morning. This morning in our prayer time, we're going to focus on a, some groups of people and some specific needs in our congregation. And so what we are going to do today is I'm going to ask you to if you're part of a certain group, to stand and then we're going to pray for you collectively and then we'll move on to the next area of prayer. And the first group I'd like to ask to stand, as alluded to already this morning, is uh, Darla and the team that's working on five day clubs this week. So if you're a helper, a teacher, your crowd control, whatever your role is, please stand um, and we're going to take a moment to pray for you. Kelly, Marilyn, yeah. Okay, let's pray. Father, those who are standing are representing us in the lives of these kids this week. And we pray for them, for their ministry to the children. We pray that children will come and hear the gospel. We pray for the CEF staff, that they'll be clear in the lessons, and the things that they've learned this past week in training would be clearly conveyed and taught and that through the combination of story and care and fun and snacks that your gospel would be proclaimed and that children would come to know you we look forward to hearing the story of your work next week in Christ's name we pray amen Okay, thank you the next one group I'd like to ask are those that are involved in our discipleship ministries in the church and that's from nursery all the way up to if you're teaching an adult class or leading a bible study we'd like to, I'd like to ask you to stand now and we're going to take a moment to pray for those ministries in our church. So if you're a nursery worker children's ministry worker, youth yeah I see John, okay. Let's take a moment to pray Father, for those of us who are involved in teaching your word and demonstrating that teaching in the lives of students kids babies we ask that you would um, give us a heart for your word clarity in communicating that and that you would bring forth fruit in the lives of the people in these classes and that you would change us as individuals but you also would change us as a church family, through this teaching, and make us more and more into the family of God that you want us to be, so that our families, our workplaces, our community, our neighborhoods are transformed by the gospel into a group of people that are proclaiming your glory for generations to come. Amen. You may be seated. The next group I'd like to have stand, um, and the last week of June is a good time to do this because July 1st is the start of our new church year. So I'd, I'd like to ask the deacons and deaconesses and elders, those who are completing a term and those who are starting a new term, so all of you, to stand up and we'll pray for the leadership of our church. These are your elders, deacons, and deaconesses. Let's pray. Father, for this group, we ask that you would give them an abundance of wisdom, the knowledge of your word put into practical application in leadership, in the care for the congregation. When we step in to confront sin, when we step in to encourage the weak, to strengthen the downtrodden, and to provide care in physical and tangible needs. Father, I pray that you would protect this group, these people, our elders and deacons and deaconesses, that you would guard them from the attacks that come in our society, the attacks of Satan. Keep them physically and spiritually strong to serve you. And help them to have perception into the heart issues of people and the needs that only you can give by your spirit. We thank you for them and for their willingness to serve this body in this way at this time. Amen you can be seated. Going back and forth on the next group, because this group that I want to pray for are those who are struggling with health issues, for caregiving for someone with a health issue. And we have people who We've shared prayer requests for Ralph Bass on the, prayer requ- on the prayer chain this past week and the turn that he's taken. Sandy Bennett and the reoccurrence of her cancer. Molly DeBoer. And there are others. and Some are known and some are not. And there's the struggle of the caregiver. Some are known, and some are not. So I'm not going to ask this group to stand. But I am going to ask that we pray for them right now. It's good to see Dan in the back. Dan DeHaan. And we all know different stories. So let's take a moment to pray for this group. Father, As Pastor Jean shared, there are the struggles of the body, and you are the God that heals all of our diseases, who renews our youth like the eagle, who crowns us with loving-kindness. And there are days that when our body is weak, that we don't feel that. There are days, interminable days when those that we love are suffering and in some respects it's harder for them as they care. And as disease take course and in some there's decline and in others there's renewal. We ask that you would guard the spirits of those that are struggling with illness, that you would raise them uh, spiritually and give the caregivers the strength that they need, both spiritually and physically. And there are those who um, are recovering from surgery, like Ken Elliott, there are those that are succumbing, and you wonder if they'll about why it happens over and over again with the broadbents come to mind. But we know that you're faithful, and we know that you're kind, and that your perspective is different than ours. So we pray for healing and thy will be to be done. And we pray that you would enable us to encourage and care and pray and bring people to remembrance in those moments and help us to act upon the ways we can encourage them as they struggle. And Father, we also want to pray for those that have had loss. For Linda Thornton, the death of her sister, for the Craig family and Russ's passing. And we know that we pause and observe at the moment of death and the ceremonies that we have put around that. But we know there was a time of struggle that led to that. And we know there will be times of mourning that come after that. And so in the struggle and in the grief, we pray your peace that passes all understanding will guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Lord, there are cares of work. There are cares of family. There are cares of a nation bitterly divided on issues of deep moral consequence. And we just turn those over to you. When we don't know how to pray, we turn it over to you and trust in the God that is a God of loving kindness. And we we do say with the psalmist, that we bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. May we all be at a place where we can bless you, Father, in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. For your glory alone we pray. Amen. I'll ask you to stand if you would again as we sing together our closing hymn, Grace Alone.